0: You're listening to Unscripted with Alex, a podcast that empowers young families to make choices that are best for them and their children. Let's start off by hearing a little bit about yourself as Dr. Manny Moore and also as um, Manny Moore, a father.
1: Yeah, look, um, well, I'm, I'm a general practitioner originally trained back home in the States. Um, married a lovely Texas girl who um, had been in my ear about Australia for years, um, came over in 2011, worked emergency, got back to general practice, and through that um, was really exposed and and, and began to um, practice medicinal cannabis medicine. Um, I am a, a father, and certainly um, in my time, prescribing medicinal cannabis have been prescribing for, for some children too. And it's been extremely exciting. Um, you know, m- my daughter is actually benefiting from medicinal cannabis as well as autist- autistic and high functioning. So, you know, that gives me a little bit of perspective, I think, um, from both directions, you know, as far as, um, you know, a patient and a patient advocate and a father of a patient with with some of those conditions that I'm treating, which gives me a a real appreciation and um, perspective um, on on that particular treatment. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, buddy.
0: It's great to have you on here to chat with us because, like you said, you um, have experience with this both professionally and personally. And so um, I think we'll be able to give some other parents out there some really good insight into um, medicinal cannabis and if it's the right pathway for them or not in their family. Um, let's start off by just, um, telling us what are some of the main conditions that you're seeing it being used in?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, the, the pediatric system is, is very, um, sensitive, you know, and, and it's developing. And so, you know, I, I tend to be very cautious and methodical and slow in my administration and treatments, um, for, for both, you know, geriatric patients as well as pediatric patients, because those, you know those systems are very different as far as pharmacokinetics and you know um, volumes of distribution and things like that. Those buzzwords that you you love as a pharmacist, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know it, it's it's um, it, it's really an exciting area to be be, be treating, um, but we're very careful with it. You know, I first, would want to say that you know medicinal cannabis is just it isn't for. Every patient, you know, um, I address expectations, number one, um, in, in telling my my lovely families that, look, you know, it's just like any other medicine. It may it may not be beneficial. It may not work. You know, we'll give it a trial. And, and these these are this use is only um, after trialing first line therapies. And that's, you know, kind of one of those boxes that we have to tick in in prescribing this type of medicine for that sensitive population. So, um, you know, it's not for everybody, but those, honestly, those that it helps, it can be life-changing. And, you know, me as a, you know, observer and also, um, you know, a healer seeing that um, is amazing. And to, 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 to go from complete distress and at the end of their tether as parents um, and, and finding, you know, the best options for their, for their child to see the light come back on, to see that development come back is just um, is so rewarding, as you can imagine.
0: Um, so, what would be the main conditions that you are seeing it? Even though you know, you've got to tread carefully. Are we looking at like um, epilepsy, and um, what are some of the other ones?
1: Sorry, I got lost in my own little story there. Forgive me. Um, you know, re- resistant epilepsy is one that that we treat. You know, there's a, a couple of different um, subcategories and, and, and also just generally resistant epilepsy, but you've got Dravet syndrome, you've got, um, you know, Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, which are two kind of subsets of resistant epilepsy. You know, we treat, um, autism spectrum disorder children, you know, both low functioning, high functioning, um, in their behavioral type, um, issues, you know, that, um, the, the tantruming that's involved with that, the, You know the anxiety that comes with that neuroatypical brain. You know ADHD, all the inter, inter, you know, interweaving symptoms there that are hard to really differentiate as far as indications, but all have benefited in those children with medicinal cannabis. You know, you've got, you know, those mental health diagnoses like anxiety, PTSD, even you know, unfortunately, um, you know, young young teens who have already had traumatic experiences in their childhood benefit from medicinal cannabis. Um, you know, you've got Tourette's, um, you've got insomnia, um, you know, ADD, ADHD, like I said, so those are really the main, main indications that we treat. Um, most of which are with specialist approval. If we go through the TGA, um, SASB portal and the, the pathways that are online for GPs to prescribe. There's authorized prescriber and SASB pathway, but those we have to have the specialists um, on board with us. And, and that's a really lovely, another extra brain, obviously um, a specialist to help us make those decisions. And, and if you know, sometimes it's difficult to find amenable pediatricians or, you know, child psychiatrists to give us that support. So we can also access medicinal cannabis through compounding pharmacies.
0: You sort of touched on there saying it's good to have um, another brain in the mix. Um, Those conditions that you are talking about are quite major, or some of those are definitely major conditions. I imagine often parents are going in to, um, sit down with their GPs and often feeling like maybe they're not being heard or they're sick. They're trying to get answers. They want solutions and they're not getting anywhere. Um, are you, are they, are you hearing of many people getting pushback from their GPs? Oh
1: yeah. You know, there's a, a great variation in, you know, comfort level, um, education, their own biases, you know, the, the, The stickler of, you know, there's just not enough evidence um, to to make decisions with cannabis as a medicine. And, and, you know, you're you're going to find, although increasing really by the month, um, you're going to find a lot of um, uncomfortable physicians who just don't aren't educated because we, we still don't have, you know, the the training. within our curriculums in medical school, the endocannabinoid system isn't there. It's not taught. Um, you know, so that I expect that to change very quickly in the next, you know, two to five years since, you know, cannabis is not a dangerous medication anymore. It's not a dangerous plant, you know, as, as handed down by the world health organization and many other countries now. Um, so yeah, it's difficult sometimes to, to get that support, um, because of that bias. I mean, we've had, 80 to 90 years of of prohibition, where we've lost that time to to really get that um, evidence based to make our our evidence based decisions on. So there's a lot of hesitancy, um, and 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 I can understand um, I can understand that, you know, because as as a a physician myself, at first, you know, diving off that cliff and and using this. You know, much maligned plant as a medicine, it does. It takes takes a little bit of risk for, to your reputation, um, and there's a lot of a lot of guys and gals that aren't comfortable doing that.
0: That kind of brings me to this next um, part where I heard of this really beautiful story that you've spoken about um, with a young boy who had resistant epilepsy, and um, he was getting results, but there there's a bit of a story there with some conflict, right, with his GP. Would you be able to t- talk us through that story?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, the, this this young man um, has has had an incredible result, but you know was really not meeting milestones. Was not was you know aphasic, not not really talking, um, and was really way way behind. And and I think that their family had sourced. Um, some oil over in the States and in, and in Canada um, that they had imported for, uh, I believe a year or two and had wonderful results. But then, you know, that supply with um, you know, what happened with the world over the last few years um, dried up. And so they came to me wanting, you know, some help to try to find, you know, that same ratio of oil that helped. And that's, that ratio was is, you know, the the famous Charlotte's Web um, mixture of of 1 in 20 cannabinoid oil um, for those resistant epilepsy cases and a lot of data that supported it in in Canada at University of Saskatchewan. Um, So we um, restarted his, his oil, you know, because he had really taken a huge step back again after not being able to use it. And this little guy had gone through every single first line therapy for um, epilepsy, you know, and had a honeymoon period with each of those where it started to work. You know, hope was uh, back within their family and then it just didn't work anymore. And so they were, you know, really um, distressed and reached out to their family back over over in the States and got the oil and were using it, then weren't able to use it, took a step back. And so that's where I came in um, to reintroduce that through, you know, approvals, um, and through, through applications. And so they had great results. I mean, he's now, he's met all his milestones, he's functioning, he's back at school, you know, he went from 150 seizures, you know, one day previously, and then restarting his oil, he had none the next day, which is, which is major and life-changing and, and huge. And, yeah, super significant. And so that that was one of the first real pediatric cases that I was involved with. And and as a as a clinician, that's just eye opening. You know, when you are used to prescribing and, and, um, you know, co prescribing those medicines along with the specialists, and they typically work, they had gone through every single one, none of them worked. And then here comes, you know, the much maligned cannabis, and it it absolutely was life changing. So You know, that was that was really, um, really the straw that broke the camel's back for me as far as being confident in in my prescribing for children. And so, you know, I'm certainly not cavalier, um, but I felt like um, that gave me a lot of confidence in order to prescribe for that particular indication. And then over the years, it's, you know, it's compounded even more with more and more indications that that we're prescribing for, which is really great.
0: To kind of go back a little bit on what you said before, with um, there's been such a long period um, where of prohibition where we've not been able to have any, we've not been able to collect any data and evidence. And this has been a perfect case for you to sort of say, oh, this, you know, that this could really work. Maybe this is really something. Where are we at now with um, research and evidence and? Um, with like moving forward? Are we, are we gathering more? Are we finding more GPs are starting to get on board a little bit or where's the research at?
1: Yeah. On on a month to month basis, you're getting more and more GPs prescribing, you're getting more and more specialists, pediatric, um, you know, subspecialties who are, are also doing so pain specialists. So, you know, the words getting out, the positive results, you know, word of mouth, um, more and more people that are getting positive results that really matters. And so the way the TGA is doing things, I think is, is, is really by the book. And, and, uh, we got to commend them on doing that, um, in a really organized fashion. So as far as the research that's going on, Australia is really doing a whole lot. Um, and, uh, we we've got cases all around um, the country and in, in different research studies and indications that are being done currently. So we're we're starting to compile that um, over the last, you know, five years. Certainly, you've you've seen an exponential growth in research with you know cannabinoids.
0: Yeah, that's great to finally be moving moving forward. It does take time, doesn't it, to collect evidence? It does absolutely. <laughs> and people want to see evidence based um, treatment, and um, so that that's good that we're moving forward. Um, You had mentioned with Charlotte's Web about a ratio there. So I just wanted to see if we can talk a little bit about um, the THC component, because I know that might be um, a component that people are, you hear a bit about of it being the one that might affect um, or cause drowsiness and, you know, X, Y, Z. Can you explain a little bit about what THC is and um, how it is used in pediatric medications?
1: Yeah, no worries. Well, you know, the cannabis plant is complex and there's a lot of, of compounds within that are therapeutic. That's why we use it as a whole plant medicine. You know, you you hear about CBD and THC. Those are our majority cannabinoids. Um, But there's many others. There's hundreds of minor cannabinoids. There's terpenes, which give it its flavor and its smell. Um, Flavonoids, and they're all used. And terpenes, furthermore, um, are, are are very much like catalysts that um making small differences and tweaks in terpene profiles can help that cannabis work completely different. But in answer to your question, you know, THC is is the psychoactive part of the plant that that you know we're most wary of uh, and careful with because of that. Um, and that that THC, you know, brings along with it the really most of the side effect profile for cannabis. Um, CBD is is really benign. You're not going to get a whole lot of of side effects with cbd and it's very well tolerated up to in in very high doses but thc being psychoactive causes sedation you know causes euphoria and and changes in behaviors and and you know although very positive um it can be but also you know there's it flips into a negative side and can in too much can cause psychosis and things like that so we're super careful, certainly in our pediatric populations, because of that developing brain. Um, we don't want to stunt growth. We don't want to cause any, you know, toxicity. So, um, you know, we, we're very careful in, in starting THC in our, in our young ones. But THC has a real beneficial profile at certain doses. And what, one of those conditions that we treat with a little bit of THC because of, um, of its help is resistant epilepsy. And they found in those you know, studies, all those small studies, but they, they did um, multiple studies at, in Canada, US, uh, at the University of Saskatchewan, um, that showed that the most beneficial ratio was one to twenty. And what that means is there's one milligram of THC per milliliter in an oil and twenty milligrams of CBD per milliliter in that oil. So that was the most beneficial. That was titrated up slowly um, to effect. And you know what was seen is, you know, you've got your your safe dose ranges of, of cannabidiol, which is CBD. And that's really around one milligram per kilogram a day. That's your low dose. Your, your medium range would be one to 10. And then your high dosage range would, would be 10 to 50 milligrams per kilogram a day. And THC is, is a little bit different. Those doses are much lower. And so we're very careful in increasing and titrating those up. It is used. Um, it's nothing to be afraid of but we're just careful and very methodical about using them. We don't use them in in, in high doses and we're certainly really careful.
0: I suppose it goes with any medications in paediatrics. We're always very careful with dosing, whether it's an antibiotic or um, a pain medication or um, medicinal cannabis. Um, You had mentioned that um, with the dosing, you're careful around um, making sure it's not going to do anything that might, um, I think you said, stunt growth. Um, Is there... Anything else that might um, be of concern, like if could it affect their learning abilities or um, schooling or anything like that?
1: Well, not we don't have the long term data to be honest. But what we've seen so far um, that there isn't any long term, you know, cognitive decline. Um, you know, but 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 quite honestly, we don't have those large patient sample sizes. You know double-blind, placebo-controlled, where they're done head-to-head with other, other medications, blinded. Um, so to be honest, we don't really have that, that data. Mm-hmm. So we're super careful, yeah. um, you know, to not exceed and, and really take it very slowly. And, and once, you know, once a patient gets symptom relief, that's where we stop. We don't obviously exceed that um, for any reason because, you know, number one, you don't need to. And two, it can be expensive for families
0: why you said expensive um, just remind me there was one um, company that um, gives rebates for it it was one insurance company Is it still just one or is there more now
1: there's 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 I think there's more more now and, and every you know I think that competition um, for those insurers um, to get those rebates has has dropped um, you know that unavailable but una- inavailability of them to get rebates I think there are more and more. Um, insurance companies, but I believe it was UIC was one of the the major ones. Um, but there, the, what I would encourage your your followers to do is is check with their insurance companies and see. And if they get any um, pushback initially, talk to their their boss or their manager because quite quite honestly, sometimes they push back on rebates when actually they can give them. So um, yeah, I'm happy to to send your followers to a website. Um, that has those um, insurance companies with rebates. We can talk about that later. I can give you a link.
0: Yeah, that would be fantastic. Definitely.
1: There's a website called Hanalee.com here in Australia, which is um, a really a medicinal cannabis educational website. And one of their um, pages that they have are a list of those companies that do give rebates. So I'm happy to give that to you
0: then we'll definitely add that into um, the show notes so that people can um, suss that out because obviously um, finance and um, is a big one.
1: Yeah, you, you can't skate around that issue. It's too, super expensive and, you know, you got to be cognizant of that for sure.
0: It's only natural to be apprehensive when you start any kind of medication, um, any new treatment or anything like that, especially if you're doing it with, um, when your children are starting new <laughs> medications. Is there anything... Um, important that parents should be aware of or prepared with prior to their child starting the medication for like, is it better to do it um, over a weekend or in school holidays or um, is just just anything that would better prepare them?
1: Yeah. Look, you know, I get a lot of questions as far as do do I need to stop the medications that we're currently on? You know, we, we don't typically uh, during that titration or that increase slowly of the amount of medication and frequency um we we don't typically withdraw the other first line therapies um and i don't encourage them actually to if they're um somewhat stable on them without you know being number one being very careful with some management from myself or their specialist um but you know the 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 medicines um are are it can be, you know, very scary for patients. So addressing those expectations, you know, how long that, that it might take that it may not be helpful. Um, but it, but advice on, on, uh, titration is really just to start extremely low. I typically give my patients, um, a titration schedule, meaning it's a kind of a visual representation of, of over a three week period, you know, whether they do it morning, afternoon and evening, um, the actual amounts of doses and and how frequently they need to do that for those particular indications.
0: So it can be a more of a gradual process. It's not like doing some massive <laughs> change straight up.
1: No, very, very, very gentle, very gentle changes.
0: Um, if a parent is um, fearful of chatting with their GP or they're um, worried about there being any conflict, um, what advice do you have for them if they want to approach this? pathway with their GP? Um, do you work collaboratively with other people or?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm always happy to correspond with anybody about this. And, you know, keeping a good open line of communication is always number one, being honest. Um, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of about bringing, bringing cannabis up as a medicine with, <laughs> with their GP or their specialist, because it, it is actually a, a medicine that they can access now. So, um, and the only way that we're going to break stigma and really, um, combat the biases that, that have come along with cannabis over the last 90 years is, is actually having a dialogue about it, you know, being open, educating yourself enough. And if your, your GP or specialist isn't aware of those types of things, you know, having a di- an open dialogue, talking about it and, you know, flicking them websites that you've read or, or papers and, um. And asking me to get in touch with them, I suppose, because um, I'm happy to do that.
0: And so if someone is keen to get started in the process with you, um, how do they go about that?
1: Yeah, look, we, we always encourage them to, to ask for referral. That way that I have, you know, um, a, an open line of communication with their general practitioner or specialist so that, you know, things are open. Um, you know, we don't want to... F- um, we, we don't want them to feel like, you know, we're going behind their backs at all. Um, but if they can't get someone to get them a referral, that's not a game changer, you know, because what, what we do at our first consultation is really take the time, spend the time to, you know, hear about their history, you know, um, tweak out what medications that they've tried, you know, if there's been any issues, previous psychosis, you know, things like that, contraindications. Um, and we, we can basically get all that we need um, out of that initial interview. And if we can't, we'll touch base with their their um, their teams. So basically, they can contact me through my website. Um, they can find me on Instagram at, at Dr. Maddie Moore. Um, my my uh, clinic is Mode Healthcare. And, you know, I've got a website, mattmoremd.com, and, and then my clinic website is modehealthcare.com.au. And
0: I'll pop all the links. So it's hard for parents, especially if you're sleep deprived, to remember all that information.
1: And listening to my my accent, people, people may not get it.
0: <laughs> and also, you're available to do um, a virtual consult as well, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we always encourage face to face. That's great, um, but it's not a, again not a game changer. We we do video link chats. We do telehealth. Um, you know, and most patients are really comfortable because you know at the end of at the end of our conversation, they have my my web address. They have you know my email to correspond with me for any questions or guidance in the meantime. You know, we uh, we like to keep that that dialogue open um, because I know they're going to have lots of questions.
0: Oh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. And um, that gives us a pretty good overview of uh, medicinal cannabis and pediatrics. So I hope that we will have a few follow-up podcasts where we can take a deep dive into some of those other conditions and maybe look at a few case studies or um, a bit more condition specific information.
1: Love to, Alex, and love what you're doing with um, Boutique and, and I know your followers are are really getting a lot of good information from you so I'm, I'm really happy to come back as often as you need to.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Alex. This show was brought to you by Batika Co.